Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you're new or visiting, we're going verse by verse through 1 Corinthians now, concerning the collection for the saints. As I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. Uh, Father, we continue in our worship of you through your word. And we thank you, Lord, that worship is not just singing, it's a lifestyle. It's 24-7. It's, as Romans tells us to do, we just offer up our bodies, a living sacrifice. So, Father, we offer up our minds, our brains, help us to lay anything that's distracting us at your throne right now that we might truly focus on the word given to us this morning. We just thank you, Lord. I pray for the gift of teaching. Through your Holy Spirit, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, verses 1 and 2. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. So, for the believers, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections When I come. Now, notice that Paul reaffirms that he has already taught what he has already taught the other churches. So, this is not just a teaching for the Corinthian church, or church is, if there was more than one church in Corinth, there possibly could have been. And so, we want to remember that, and you're going to see that because we're going to talk about some other scriptures. There is to be a special collection to be taken up for the poor saints in Jerusalem. Poor saints. Well, why were they poor? Well, let's look at that. Acts 2, 44 through 45 says, Now all who believed were together and held all things in common, common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So we want to go back to the scriptures and say, how should we live our lives, our day-to-day lives? How should we live our lives? And that's, you want to go back to the scriptures and you can learn from the scriptures the do's and the don'ts. And we're going to see some don'ts here this morning. You see, this would give us a good indication on why the saints were possibly poor, just possibly. Socialism, communism, or any form thereof just doesn't work. And here we see it happening in the early church. But let's turn to Acts chapter 4. Get your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have Bibles in the chairs. If you look down or someone next to you can hand you a Bible. If you need a Bible, free to free to take it. That could be your Bible, but use it. Don't sell it. If you're going to sell it, leave it. But Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Again, we always want to go back to the scriptures. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. 
Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. Does that sound interesting? I don't know if you guys have done any research on 2030, the Great Reset. But you're not going to own anything and you're going to be happy about it. That's what they're saying. In writing, in black and white. Interesting. But they had all things in common, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. Why? For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them. Interesting. And brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. Interesting. So since I'm discussing finances this morning, does this mean that everyone should make the same mistake that the early church made? Well, look at Acts chapter 5, and let's hear from Peter about that very question. Should I sell everything I have and bring it to Calvary Chapel? Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Aeneas and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, Ananias, Ananias. And he kept back part of the proceeds. He kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they were believers. They were part of the early church. They saw what was taking place. So they wanted to be a part of the group. So, and I'm surmising this, but I think it's pretty obvious. So we're going to sell it all too. We don't want to look like, well, what's the matter with you? Why aren't you selling everything? We sold everything we had. Verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Notice that. Because at the very end, if you look down uh, at the end of verse uh, 4 there, it says, you have not lied to men but to God. The Holy Spirit is God. Here's another verse that shows us the Holy Spirit is God. And Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Verse 4, key. Notice this, Christian. While it remained, was it not your own? It was all yours. It was, God gave it all to you. It was yours. And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? That's very important. Don't skip over little things like that. That's very, very important. Everything that you have, everything that I have, I personally believe God has given it to me, and I am a steward of that, whatever it might be, in my private life, at the home, as well as the church. And that's why we're very good stewards, and we'll get to that later on, of what we receive from you. But it's very important that you realize that, and if you haven't realized that, that you really understand that. Everything you have has been given to you by God. Yes, you did your part. Yes, and we need to do our part. But always give glory back to the one who gives it to you, because it can be gone in an instant. So Paul, Peter says here, it was yours. You could have done with it whatever you wanted to do with it. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Here's the issue as we get into finances this morning. Here's the issue of the whole matter. Your own heart, my heart. Where's my heart? Do I want to be seen of men, of other people, as I give, as we read in the Gospels? Or do I do things quietly and privately? 
We're going to touch more on that. So we can see that the poor saints might have caused their own problem through lack of resources. That might have been one of the issues. So a few years later now, Paul is going to teach the Corinthians a foundational truth about giving of finances to the church for the work of the ministry, which at this point specifically was taking a gift to the saints, the poor saints in Jerusalem. Now I know this can be a touchy subject, but as we go verse by verse through the word, we address all of these touchy subjects verse by verse. We don't skip over Um, If you've been here any amount of time, you've never heard me do a series on tithing. We're going to do a four-week series on tithing. No, we address the issues as we go through the Word of God. Know that right up front. Because there is no question that there are those who misuse the funds of a church, but a very high percentage use the funds properly. There are those pastors who pad their own pockets, But there are far more who work to promote the good news of the gospel. Many pastors are bivocational. That means they have a full-time job. They work 40, 50 hours. And they also oversee a church. The average church size in America is 50 to 75 people. That's the average church size in America. So many churches cannot afford to pay a full-time pastor. They might not be able to even pay him anything. So that man might be working with no, little to no compensation. He's doing it for the Lord. But let's look at the big picture of life. There are bad dentists out there. I went to one. In my 20s, I was young and dumb. And every year, I needed a cap, if not two caps. I've got eight caps in my 20s. We finally found a Christian dentist. I went to him. He did his thing, did everything, took the shots, you know, the, the images, cleaned this, that, and the other thing. Okay, you're done. And I looked at him and go, that's it? He goes, yeah, that's it. I, I don't need a cap? <laughs> you don't know. You, your teeth are fine. No, you don't need a cap. And then I told him the story and he goes, yeah, yeah, you just paid for that guy's car. That's all there is to it. There are bad teachers out there, but do we stop going to school? There are bad business people out there. But do we stop doing business altogether? But due to a few pastors or people who misuse church funds, many will not attend or get plugged into a church due to a previous situation. Unfortunately for them, they're missing out on a wonderful principle. So as we study about finances, don't shut down, but rather debug the program. You see, if you're not applying the foundational truths of the word of God, all of them, which today we're going to look at, financing specifically, you're missing out on temporal as well as eternal rewards. So the first question might come to mind is, is there a New Testament teaching on tithing? Is there a New Testament teaching on tithing? Answer, you're going to have a hard time finding it. You're going to have a very hard time finding it. Matthew 23 says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is Jesus talking to the religious elite. For you pay tithe on mint and anise and cumin and have neglected 
the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Matt didn't know I was going to have this verse. Interesting. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So Jesus does mention tithing to the hypocritical religious elite, but you will not find him doing a teaching on tithing to the disciples. So if Jesus didn't teach it, and we don't find it exemplified in Acts by the apostles teaching or performing it, and we don't learn about it through instructions in the epistles, then I personally believe we can rest assured that tithing is not a New Testament principle. Now with that in mind, some of you might, quite be, might be quite relieved, and you might be, that's great news, that's great news, I don't have to give any money to the church. And you're right, you don't. And if you're giving out of bitterness or resentment or because you think that God's kingdom will not last if you don't give, stop giving until your heart is right and give out of a joyful heart. Let's read on because the enemy would love to have us not learn or implement the foundational truths of the word. And this is in everything this morning, finances. You see, that can be a problem for anyone, no matter how old in the Lord you are. We're not called to focus on a person or a system, but to do those things that the Bible clearly teaches us to do. Now, that doesn't mean that we should be ignorant, unknowing of what a person or a system is doing. If there are abuses going on, then don't give to that ministry. But don't stop giving altogether. Do some research and find a faithful ministry in which to give. Don't allow the enemy to rob you of eternal fruit. Get ready, we're going to go in our Bibles. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4. Eternal fruit. What eternal fruit? Now, we're getting towards the end of Corinthians, so if you're new or visiting, you weren't here back in November, December, January, roughly around there. You can get the CDs. We did an in-depth study of the gifts, and we learned then that God has given to every believer at least one gift. And are you using that gift to store up treasure in heaven? And we taught all about that. So if you're new, you might be thinking, oh, great, I came on a church where they're begging for, on a day when they're begging for money. We're not begging for money. We're doing fine. Don't give if that's your mentality. But learn a principle. Pray about it. Philippians 4, 15 says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Notice the Philippians were giving to missionary work, which you all, because we run a tight ship around here, we're giving 30% to missionary work. We see it again here. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. And if it wasn't finances, if they sent him whatever they might have sent him, it took finances to buy those things and to send those things. So finances were involved no matter how you cut it. Very important, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift. Because as you read your Bible, you'll, you'll read where Paul says, I've learned how to have nothing, and I've learned how to have everything. But as you read that, you want to remember what he said. I have learned. 
I have learned how to have nothing and how to have everything. What God wants to provide is what God wants to provide. But here's the point. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Your account. You see, the second you receive Jesus as your Savior, there was an account open with your name on it in heaven. So you have a heavenly account. Think of it as a bank account. You have a heavenly savings account that no one can touch. Matthew 6. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Treasures. So he's not saying be irresponsible and don't have an emergency fund or don't plan on retirement or any of that. He's just saying, you know, treasure. We'll get to it. Notice that, very important. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And where do those go? Into your heaven account. Where? Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Key point, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. Where your finance is going to. You can just do your own little inventory. Where are your finances going to? And as you do your own little inventory, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, and you do an evaluation at the end of the day, you're going to realize, yeah, that's where my heart's at. Is it into hobbies? Is that where a lot of your money goes to? And there's nothing wrong with hobbies. Don't take it out of context. But is that where all your money, a lot of your money's going to? Then that's where your treasure is. That, that's your treasure. Or do you want to store treasure in heaven? And you can do both. You can have a hobby. I have hobbies. You can do both. It's all about the heart. Let's look at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. This area of giving funds to the church is all about the heart. Romans 15, 25. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor... So here Paul's talking about the poor saints again. For the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. So again, now we see some other churches are taking up collections to specifically help other believers who are in another part of the world, in Jerusalem. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. Matthew 10, 40. And I just picked out a few verses. There's too many. I just picked out a few to try to cover the full spectrum. Matthew 10, 40. So we've talked about finances. Let's look at the physical aspect or going back to what we talked about you know, several months ago. Anything that we do for the Lord is a reward. And, whatever, and whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Anything that we might do for Jesus. So again, debug the program. Debug the program. Because rewards are not just about finances. Rewards are based upon a relationship with God and doing whatever he might have to do with us at any given time during the day. So the first thing as we look back into Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 
So the first thing that we should notice about these verses, the first two verses here, is that there is a collection taking place within a church setting, within a church setting. So here's another verse that teaches us that we should be in regular church fellowship. The second thing to notice is that the collection was to take place on the first day of the week, which would be Sunday. The Jewish, to this day, the Jewish Sabbath is from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. For those of us who are going to go to Israel, I'll explain this before we get to the hotel. Because one, one, we're going to have one Shabbat in Israel. And the Shabbat is sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. They're not allowed to touch anything. No buttons. Everything is computerized nowadays. So when they get on the Shabbat elevator, the Shabbat elevator stops at every single floor. Because they can't push a button because that generates electricity and that would be breaking the Sabbath. So if you're on the 12th floor, you're in for a long ride. But they only have one Shabbat elevator. All the other elevators stop wherever you want to do it, okay? Religion. Third thing to notice is that everyone who was to lay aside a portion for the Lord's work, notice that. Everyone storing up as he may prosper. Not just those who are well off. A lot of times we look at this as like, well, you know, that's just, a, that's just for the really good to do people. They'll take care of the church. They'll take care of the church. Again, debug the program. It's not just for those who are well off and making lots of money, but it's for everyone. That means that phrase they're storing up as he or she has pros- may prosper, that basically means setting money aside for the work of the Lord as you go about earning your daily living. What is God providing for you? Setting something aside. You see, often we have a hard time giving because we've mismanaged our finances and think that we cannot afford to give. But that's not what the word says. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, we read this. So let each one give. Notice what it says. Let each one, not just the rich people, not just the well-to-do people, every Bible-believing Christian, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, For God loves a cheerful giver. Well, how do you purpose in your heart about anything? I hope that you go to the word of God, first and foremost, and then you pray. And as you go to the word of God about anything, whatever it might be, as you go to the word of God and then you pray, the Holy Spirit is going to guide your life. And you're going to get an answer. The answer is going to be yes, the answer is going to be no, or the answer is going to be wait. We like the first one. The second two, not so much. But I can guarantee you the Holy Spirit will answer you. He absolutely will. So it's not about giving 10%, but about giving what you've prayed about giving. What have you prayed about? And I know this is kind of a concept that most people have not even thought about. Well, I just thought it was 10%. I had to do it. No, as you read your Bible, you're to pray. You're to pray about what you give, whatever that might be. Pray about it. When we give, it's to be with a cheerful heart, knowing that we're helping in the work of the Lord. I I think it was 06 or 07, I I don't remember exactly, but someone prayed, and at that time, someone was going to give us 35 acres of land in Queen Creek. Give it to us, free, 35 acres of land. I said, great. Great. We'll pray about it. And we prayed about it. And the Lord said, no. 
Now, I doubt too many pastors would say no, even if God told them no. 35 prime acres of land in Green Creek. And I went back and I said, you know, God's told us no. And they were, okay. They were fine with that. They knew we were going to pray about it. They prayed about it. It wasn't a conflict. It was just, we want to do what the will of God is. And so you have to pray. Not just when something big comes along and goes, wow, I don't need to pray about that one. I'm just going to, are you kidding me? 35 acres? Yeah, we're doing it. Because God sees down the road. And I can look back and I can see why God told us no. So pray. Luke 21 says this. And Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. So this would be the court of the women in the temple area. And he also saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. That's like, those are two copper coins. That's like two cents today. We'll just say that, make it easy. Just two cents. So Jesus said to his disciples, as you read it in context, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, but the rich were probably putting in 20 bucks. She put in two cents. For all these, out of their abundance, have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, notice that, she was poor, put in all the livelihood that she had. She was about the heart. This widow woman had a heart for God and she wanted to give something to God. And this is all I have, God, but this is what I'm going to give to you because you've told me to do it. It's about personal relationship. Personal relationship. You know, I've shared this before, but I haven't shared it often. I do want to just give our testimony. So for those of you who have heard it before, don't start moaning, but maybe take it to heart. When we got married, we were raised Roman Catholic. And I would, saw my, I would see my dad put in a dollar or two in the plate. When the, in those days, they, they, they handed the plate on a long stick right in front of your nose. Down, you know, and they'd hand it in front of you. And, you know, out would come a buck or two or a $5 bill. And, you know, that's what I saw growing up. So I thought, okay. They'd also send you tithing envelopes. Have any of you ever received a tithing envelope from Calvary Chapel of Queen Creek in your mail? You never will. Never have, never will. But they would have weeks printed on them. 52 weeks printed on those tithing envelopes to make sure that you got something to the church. We don't do that around here. But we were born again. We got born again. Received Jesus as our Savior. Got married. And um, we started giving to the church. Now 10% is a good number to use if you want to use that number, and that's what we did. We've, we've used 10% as a number, so it, but I don't push it as a tithing. It's because it's not in the New Testament. You won't, it's in the Old Testament for sure. You won't find it in the New. But it's a good round number. You should put 10%. I, I give 10%. We give 10% to the Lord, and we put 10% into our savings, and then the rest we do whatever we have to do with. We were never, allowed, we were never able to do 10% for probably 25, 30 years into our savings. But we never stopped giving to the Lord. I was making five fifty an hour, forty hours a week. Our rent was three hundred dollars a month. And immediately you're going to say, "Well, it's all relative." No, it is all about the relatives. It can be really about the relatives. But if you do the math after taxes, fifty percent of my income was going to rent. Fifty five zero of my income was going to rent alone. So don't think because it was cheap back then that everything was happy hunky-dory. Every Thursday was pancakes. 
for us. And I'm not giving you the woe is me scenario. Just telling you that's the way it was. Every Thursday was pancakes and one week we didn't have syrup. So Claudia pulled caro syrup out. (laughs) Yeah, she learned real quick. We'll never do that again. We're going to fast on Thursdays if we have to. But uh, so we just did that. You know, the Lord always did that. I went to work for Motorola. Eventually started making really, really good money. And so we were able to even give more than 10% as we prayed and the Lord provided. And then I took a half a cut in pay and no benefits. And when I went into full-time ministry, we went 10 years with no health insurance. The kids were uh, six, eight, no, they were, let me see, it was 95. Yeah, six, eight, 10, and 13 at the time. We went 10 years with no health insurance. You see, unfortunately in churches today, there's this theory, you know, if you give $10, God's going to give you $100 back. And if you give $100, God's going to give you 1000 Oh, just give 1000 And he's a heavenly slot machine. And you're going to get $10,000 back. You won't find that in the scriptures. But guys, here's a testimony for God. For 10 years, we had fewer bills, medical bills over 10 years than we had one year when I was at Motorola. God took care of us, not a broken bone, not a car accident. God took care of us miraculously for 10 years through all those teenage years. And we were crazy. We did crazy things. That's a testimony for God, for some of you who are afraid to give to God because man has abused it or misused it. In case you don't know it, um, we have three accountants. We have one accountant that keeps track of all our money every single month. She gets a record of everything that's brought in and everything that's spent. And she balances the book every single month. She then goes to a second accountant who double checks her. And then yearly we go to a third accountant who double checks both of them. That's why we can do what we do here, giving 30% to missionaries, all of your money. We have money in the savings. Again, this month, as I mentioned last month, we're going to put $50,000 on the mortgage, which will bring it down to about $460,000. We're hoping to pay it off by the end of the year. So we take money very serious around here, and that's why we do things. Matter of fact, we're going to have a roofing project. I'll announce that next week. Remind me next week. We're going to have a roofing project in the first week of May. If you're not good on a roof, you're not invited to be on the roof. But we need about 10 or 12 people on the ground doing a lot of work on the ground. But that's how we save money because to redo this roof, we got an estimate of $70,000. I'm not going to spend that. There's no way. We can do it. God is good. So to this day, guys, God has provided miracles. We've never missed a meal. We've never missed a payment. We've done without a lot. But are you kidding me? We're blessed. We're spoiled. We're rich. We haven't done without a lot. But for some families, man, you guys did without a lot. No, we didn't. We're fine. We're happy. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I want to give you, I want to give you a, maybe I shouldn't say this. Um, just know that God has taken care of all of our bills. And we've never stopped giving. Never once. So you determine in your heart who you're going to serve. And I can guarantee you that God will never let you down. And why would I tell you to give 10% if somebody wanted to give us 35 acres, which in 06 was probably worth about $3.5 million. That was way more than 10% for them. So why would I limit you? Because some of you have the gift of giving. It's in the Bible. 
That's a spiritual gift, the gift of giving. Why would I try to limit you to what you want to do for the Lord? And if it's not giving it to this church, giving it to some other ministry. Guys, you, we've just read the scriptures as we're back in 1 Corinthians 16. You decide. But this is a biblical principle. Not the tithing aspect of it, but the giving to the church for the work of the ministry of the Lord. Verses 3 and 4. When I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Here Paul encouraged the Corinthians to send their own delegation to Jerusalem to bless the poor saints with their financial gift. Great accountability on the part of Paul by, allowing the enemy, by not allowing the enemy any opportunity for false accusations. Verses 5 through 8. Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I'm passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. Let's look at James chapter 14. Very familiar for mo- verses for most of you, but for the new believer here this morning. James chapter four thirteen through 15. Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Now as you read that, as you notice back in Corinthians, Paul was not doing this. He was, he was talking about, you know, if the Lord allows us. Verse 14, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Paul didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. That's why he was saying, I do not wish to see you now on the way. I hope, but I hope to stay with you. I hope, okay, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Back in 1 Corinthians. Paul now starts starts to talk about his plans of visiting the believers. It's 56 to 57 AD, the original 50s. And he's writing from Ephesus, where he's planning and heading to Macedonian area. Verse 8 lets us know that the spring is approaching, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. So spring is approaching, and Paul is going to spend Pentecost at Ephesus. After Pentecost, he'll head up the coast and sail to the Neapolis, where then he'll visit the various brethren at Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and then head south to Corinth. You have a map in your Bible, most likely. Uh, You can look there later on and see that. It'll show the travels of Paul. He's giving himself some six months to make this trip before he spends the winter with the churches at Corinth. You see, this wasn't Paul's original plan, though. In 2 Corinthians 1, 5 through 16, we see that he was planning on making several stops in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 1, 15, it says, And in this confidence, I in- intended to come to you. I intended. So he's saying what he was planning on doing. I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit, to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you. So those were his original plans as we're reading in 1 Corinthians 16, and be helped by you on my way to Judea. So that was his plans. You see, God had other plans, and he made one stop of about three months. It was during this three-month visit in Corinth that Paul wrote his epistle to the Romans. 
And if you'd like to read about this journey and how it took place, you can check it out in Acts chapters 19 and 20. So, what a heart Paul had for these carnal saints. He wanted to spend time with them to encourage them in their walk with the Lord, and eventually he would. But God's ways were not his ways, and he needed to wait upon God. And that's our encouragement, my encouragement to you this morning. Make plans. We are making plans. But we always say, your will be done. Flexibility is a major component in the life, in life, as well as in the ministry. And that, as the music team comes up, is what we're all going to need to go through over these next two and a half, two years and eight months of this current administration. Look very quickly at Luke chapter 12. Don't zip up your Bible. Here's the exhortation very quickly as the music team's getting ready. Luke 12, 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about the current administration and what they are going to do. That's what it says. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. We've been hearing, right? There's going to be less food coming. A brother, after last week, after I mentioned that last week, a brother came up to me after the service. He said, you know, we went out to a restaurant just the other night, and we ordered four things, and every time we ordered it, they came back and said, we don't have that. Four things. Hey, it is what it is. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Don't tell Hollywood or New York this, but... Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, neither, they, which have neither storehouses or barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? A cubit is from the tip of your hand to your elbow. So it's about 18 inches. Jesus is basically saying, you can't even add 18 inches to your height. Some of you would like to add 18 inches. You can't do that. For Jesus, that would have been easy. If you can't do that, If you, are un, if you then are unable to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. And oh, I love this time of year. It's my favorite time of year. They neither toil nor spin, yet I say to you, even Solomon, who was the richest man that had ever lived, ever lived, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which today, is in, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you shall eat or what you shall drink or have an anxious mind. Notice that, guys. Now, there's nothing wrong with preparing so that you might be able to bless someone, but I would encourage you not to become a prepper. This happened in Y2K, and I think many of you that were there can remember what happened. It was a mockery of Christianity because there was even Christian ministries driving that whole thing through fear. fear. And I knew a guy that bought a half a ton of beans. For all, and he got off the grid. 22 years ago. I think he's still living on the beans. For all these things, the nations of the world. Notice this, guys, for us believers. For all these things, the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you need these things. But do what? Guys, this is our exhortation. Even as the road we're going down, for at least another two years and eight months, for at least. If we're still going to be here, I think the rapture is coming. But doesn't matter. Verse 31, but seek the kingdom of God. 
and all these things shall be added to you. And I just want to, again, give you a testimony. God has done that in our lives personally. We are blessed. And I know you might not like to hear it because people ask me, how are you doing? And I, I will almost every single time say I'm spoiled because I am. I can stand up here. I'm spoiled. I got out of bed this morning. I'm spoiled. I had food this morning. How many of you ate this morning? You're all spoiled. How many of you are going to have lunch? Anybody going to have lunch? You spoiled Americans. How many of you are then going to have dinner? <laughs> yeah! And oh, right before you go to bed, what are you going to do? <laughs> Let's have a little snacky. We are spoiled on our worst day. We're spoiled. And at the end of the day, what do we do? We die and go to heaven. Spoiled. Father, we thank you and praise you. Even on our hardest day, it's really not that hard because you're with us. The Holy Spirit's with us to comfort us, to strengthen us, to renew us. So Lord, help us to look up to heaven and just apply biblical principles. Today it happens to be finances. But there are so many biblical principles. Reading our word every single day, having a daily devotional. That's a biblical principle. Praying every day, having a private prayer time. That's a biblical principle. Attending church, as we're doing right now, that's a biblical principle. There's so many biblical principles. Lord, help us to get the bigger picture and not get hung up in the area of finances. Help us to debug the program and pray, what would you have us to give to the church for the work of the ministry? Because it's all yours anyways. And you'll guide us, you'll lead us, you'll direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.